You're listening to Let's Talk About This Yesterday, a podcast dedicated to raising awareness for various mental health and wellness issues. I'm Tam, your hostess. Welcome. Hi, everybody. So coming at you now from my home podcast recording studio, aka my closet. Never thought I would be sitting in a closet recording podcast, but you know, stranger things have happened. So I hope you're all having a good day or evening, whichever it is to you. Um, I wasn't initially planning on doing this episode, uh, but I had said to myself at the beginning of this process that if I ever felt inspired in the spur of the moment, or if there was something that I witnessed or felt that I needed to get a message across, then I would use the podcast as an opportunity and a platform to share these thoughts and or facts with you. Hence why I decided to sit down here today and record this one. You can expect more of these coming up in the season as well. So where do I start? Well, about a couple of weeks ago or so, I met up with someone that I had been seeing uh, romantically for a few months up until maybe May or June of this year for the first time after it had ended. During our discussion, this person revealed to me that for his own personal reasons and which what not, the reason that he pretty much did a 180 and backed away very suddenly from us was due to the fact that I have anorexia and wanted to protect himself from the possible implications on him should I ever relapse again someday. Now, I'm not going to go into the details as to why and how and who's right and wrong. I have no ill will against this person, but I have to say that when he said that, my heart pretty much sank and the aching, you know, that aching feeling, it just flowed in. Part of me felt much anger towards the person in that moment, but more so I immediately felt the wave of that all too familiar feeling of guilt and of shame. The one I have felt so many times in my life for not being, acting, or living a certain way that didn't meet someone else's expectations. And of course, the guilt and shame that comes so much with having an eating disorder. Feelings I struggled with a lot at the beginning of my recovery process, and still do. And many of you know this, but uh, may not know this, but guilt and shame are key feelings that the eating disorder likes to cling on to use and to make you feel so low that you will need the high from your quote-unquote addiction, just like any other addiction, even more. It uses it to make you feel like it's your best friend and only with it can you survive. It uses it as a way to take more space in your life with the intention of fully running it. When I went home that evening, the pain continued as I was also thrown back into the past to how things were when I was with my longtime ex-partner. Now, before I go on, I want to make it abundantly clear that I am not, that I am only speaking my truth with the intention of making you, the audience, understand where I'm coming from 
and how the actions of others and society can have on us, especially with mental illness. It is in no way a campaign against the people who've hurt me in my life. They, as well as I and all of us, are flawed human beings. We all have our stories. We can only hope to learn and better ourselves from our experiences, whether we are the ones who've been hurt or the ones who have hurt, because we've done both, each and every one of us. Hurt and pain are a natural part of life, and if we learn the lessons they have to teach us, they can be a very beautiful blessing in disguise. But it is the truth I intend to speak here. So here I go. When I was still living with my partner, my ex-partner rather, he was very supportive for the first five to six months after both my diagnoses, and I was hopeful that we could stick it through together. Shortly after, however, he slowly started to check out, especially when he realized that my conditions were not going to go away overnight. I was feeling stressed from all other facets of my life, especially worrying about my health, my future, my career, and feeling very insecure and losing confidence in who I was, not knowing anymore who or what I was. I didn't feel like I was anything more than a sick patient, lost in life, trying to find her way out. And I felt so ashamed and embarrassed about that for so long. I started to really understand why people who fell ill had so much social anxiety. What do you say when you go to a social setting and everyone is talking about all the cool things that are happening in their lives, their projects, their jobs, their families, all those things that society make us feel that we need to feel whole, to feel complete. And then they turn and ask you, hey, what have you been up to? And all you want to do is disappear because you feel like you have nothing to bring to the table anymore. But in my relationship, I felt like everything was fine. And though I had some doubts in the beginning, I had grown confident after the first few months that I had his support. The first indication that I had that that was slipping away was when one day my partner came home in a very sour mood. Something had happened at work and he wasn't happy about it and I could feel his energy was very off. He went to lie down in our bed and I followed him inside in order to lend him an ear or boost his morale. At this point, it was uh, early 2017, yeah. So just a little over half a year after I had received both of my diagnoses. So I was still at a stage where I hadn't regained many of my physical functions due to the CRPS. And I was pretty much limping everywhere, just to give you an idea of what stage I was in my illness. So really not long after. As I sat next to him in bed, he looked at me with frustration and he said something that shocked me. It was pretty much quoted along the lines of, I'm worried about my future. This is my partner talking. I'm worried about my future. I want a partner that I can go hiking and running and playing sports with. Look at you, you can't even walk. I wasn't expecting that at all. And besides feeling shocked to hear that he was saying this when I was clearly, visibly in pain in front of him on a daily basis and fighting every day to get better, I instantly felt almost defeated. 
the self-consciousness about my body, the way I would move or not be able to move rather, how I would no longer attend any social events or go anywhere but my home and the hospital, except for the random coffee shop, which was my weekly pleasure, that feeling multiplied tenfold. The mere fact that I couldn't even wear heels anymore. I know it sounds silly, but not even wear heels anymore and walk around with the confidence that I did back at my former job made me feel like less of a woman. And now I started not feeling like I was his woman anymore. Unfortunately, it only went downhill from there. He stayed with me until October of the following year, but mentally he was checked out right there and then that day in our bed a year and a half before walking out. After that, the comments and criticism continued, especially about the anorexia, and I was so diminished by it all. I was a walking apology for the way I looked, the way I had become, and all I wanted to do was to go back to inpatient all the time because, well, I was ashamed of of being in his presence you know, in our home. I, I, I wanted that comfort of being in a place that I was supported because I didn't feel that at home. The anxiety I would feel every day knowing that he was coming home and would see me there on the same couch, leg up, underweight. I couldn't bear the shame I would feel, especially when he could barely look at me anymore. All I wanted to do was to disappear all the time so that I would give him the relief of not having to deal with me anymore, as if I was a burden, as if I owed him something, as if I owed him an apology. All this to say is that all these feelings flooded back that day a few weeks ago when I was having the discussion with that person I was seeing that I mentioned in the beginning of the the podcast. I literally felt like I was catapulted back to the past. That's the funny thing, actually, about the body and the mind. When the mind has a memory, it knows that it's from the past, but the body can't tell the difference and process it, it processes it as it's happening now. That's why we feel the emotion so strongly in the present moment when we think of an event that happened at another point in time. Just a little side note, a uh, little side theory I learned from watching some Dr. Joe Dispenza videos. Don't know if you've heard of him, but talked about it in my last podcast. In any case, um, I tried shaking it off. I went away that following weekend to visit my friend Natasha in Oshawa. For those of you who don't know, Oshawa is a city in Ontario, close to Toronto. Not to be confused with Ottawa, also in Ontario. Getting some geography in there as well. Um, In any case, I had a good time. I had a great time, actually. I came back, you know, but what he said was still gnawing at me. I checked into myself, checked into my body, checked into my feelings, and I realized that it wasn't really his comment that was bothering me. What I was feeling was that this would confirm my fundamental fear that in the end, no one would want me and I would lose everyone something I was scared of from a very early age and a fear that most of us have, but I guess don't really want to admit. As my ex said when he left me due to my conditions, no one would have stayed. And so I felt that this just confirmed it all. 
I was wondering, is the fact that I'm so open and public about my illnesses the reason why I may never have anyone who would be interested in having me as a companion, as a longtime partner? I immediately started, you know, second guessing myself again and, you know, thinking that maybe I should stop being open about my my process, uh, deleting posts on my social media. I even thought of stopping the podcast. And there it was, guilt and shame all over again. I didn't act on these thoughts gratefully, but they were there and I felt so disappointed, you know, down on myself for even having them. I felt almost like a hypocrite. Yeah, I really did. A few days later, as I was walking to take my dog to get groomed at Zamidou in Rosemont, a bit of free publicity for there, but for them there, but like if you have a pet, take them there. They are really, really awesome if you want to have a nice grooming. In any case, I was listening to one of my favorite podcasts as I was walking there called Unlocking Us by Brene Brown, who's a research professor at the University of Houston. She spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy, and is the author of not one, not two, but five people, five number one New York Times bestsellers. And her podcasts are just really amazing, just to say. I was interested just by the mere title of the podcast episode called The Body is Not an Apology, where she interviews author Sonia Renee Taylor, an award-winning poet, activist, author, and leader who founded The Body is Not an Apology, a digital media and education company promoting radical self-love and body empowerment as a foundational tool for social justice and global transformation. She also went on to write a book entitled, with the same title, The Body is Not an Apology. During the interview, Ms. Taylor was talking about an experience she had speaking with a young woman who had been diagnosed with cerebral palsy and who found herself with an unwanted pregnancy with a man who was just a fling in her life. She was going to have an abortion. When Sonia asked her why she hadn't used protection, the woman said, well, it's already difficult enough to have sex with my condition due to body positioning and stuff. I felt that I didn't want to make a big deal about making him wear a condom as well. <laughs> Whoa. I literally stopped in my tracks when I heard that. She, like, think about it. She felt so ashamed about her condition that she felt that she didn't have a right to her own fundamental right to protect and control her own body. But beyond that, I stopped because I knew that like her, I and so many other women and, and men, maybe more women but, and men, by the way, have done the same in some way or another in our lives. That's when Sonia said, but your body is not an apology. And that's how the name of the foundation and the book came to be. When I listened to this, I could relate so much to those awful feelings I had ultimately of believing that there was something wrong with me, just like that young lady diagnosed with cerebral palsy. Palsy. <laughs> Sorry. I came to realize that I had always felt that way in some way or another in my life, and I'm far from being the only one. 
we are raised in a society that isn't very forgiving when it comes to differences or deviations from the quote-unquote norm. We judge each other, often reject or close off to what we don't know, push away people or things that are different from us or from our ideal ideals. We criticize each other. Simply put, we are individuals who believe that we are just that, individual and separate from one another, born and raised in a society and system that wants to control who we are instead of letting us become who we are. If we just focus on the female body for this instance, okay, if you look at what the ideal body type for women, because just to say, I don't know of an ideal body type for men that has been discussed as much. If there is, please enlighten me. But in any case, um, right, if we talk about the ideal body type for women and what has been over the decades, it's changed so much from the Gibson girl in the 1910s to the hourglass figure in the 1950s to heroin chic in the 1990s, what I based my anorexia desires on. Kate Moss was a big, big you know, trend at that point, um, to the booty babe in 2010s, much thanks to Kim Kardashian. And no, I am not related to her. I really wish people would stop asking me that. But like, really though, what does this tell you? Are we seriously putting human bodies, these wonderful, beautiful mechanisms that allow us to express ourselves, that do whatever we want as a trend? Look how much the world changes their mind over time about what you should look like or what you should be in order to attain the highest standard of looks or status. How can you ever satisfy a beast like that where nothing will ever be good enough? And who are these people to tell me, to tell you, to tell all of us how we should be, how we should look? I am tired of how women who want to wear shorts but don't because they're embarrassed about their cellulite, which, by the way, almost every woman has. I'm tired of black people being made self-conscious because they don't sound white enough. I'm tired of men being criticized for not being man enough. I'm tired of it all. Why are we supposed to, you know, be so, why are we so afraid of difference when it comes to people? Let me tell you, I would be quite disappointed if I opened a bag of Jelly Bellies and saw that I had like 500 candies of just the marshmallow flavor versus a bag full of variety that the 100 and plus flavors of Jelly Bellies can offer. Tight abs don't make you a stronger person. Perfect skin and plump lips don't make you more dateable. A university degree doesn't make you smarter than everyone else. And a booming bank account doesn't make you a better person. It's not to say that we shouldn't be proud of our accomplishments, but these are all things that are on the surface and that we've been distracted with. And sadly, it makes us ignore the fundamental part of us that really makes us, us, our soul and our heart. This is a strange time that we are living right now. And I believe that many people are suffering right now among several reasons due to the fact that maybe the first time in a long time or ever, they are now forced to just be with themselves, to look into who they really are. And they can't recognize themselves without all the material things that we think we are, when that really isn't who we are at all. When I used to meet someone, one of my first questions was, 
So, what do you do in life, job-wise? Now I ask, so what are your passions? What are your interests? Yes, I am a chartered accountant, but I am so much more than that. I am a friend. I am a lover. I am a kind-hearted person. I am strong. I am brave. I am proud. I am many other things. But ultimately, I am love. And everyone, we are all love. So no, I will not apologize for the fact that I may need to take more time to do a hike with someone due to the fact that I have a disability. I will not apologize for the fact that I can't lift something too heavy and help my friend move because my arm muscles are still not where they need to be after I have been emaciated for so long. I will not apologize for taking longer than everyone else to order and eat food at a restaurant because it gives me some level of anxiety every time I do so. Basically, I will not apologize for doing the best I can to respect my limits and set my boundaries because that is just ridiculous and no one should ever feel the need to do so. And if I have a bad week and I have a panic attack or go through a relapse and ask for help, I will do my best not to feel that I don't deserve love or that I'm inconveniencing or burdening someone in my life because I am fighting for my life and my breath every single day. I haven't stopped since all of this started five years ago, going to every appointment, trying every method, reading every book, and doing all I can to get my life back in a newer and better ever-changing version of me. And we all deserve that for ourselves. And whoever doesn't like it or wants to project their fears on me and on you, but now I'll talk about me and make me feel lesser than, can kiss my flat as a bored ass no apologies. It's time we practice more kindness to ourselves and one another. Embrace each other's differences instead of rejecting them. To be curious about what we don't know or understand instead of fearing them. The world is changing for a reason and it's because the norm, it just wasn't working anymore. It hasn't for a very long time and it's past due time to break the norm. I will leave you with a quote from Sonia Renee Taylor Taylor, that I found very powerful with regards to what is happening in the world today and the pandemic. And she says, open quote, we will not go back to normal. Normal never was. Our pre-corona existence was not normal other than we normalized greed, inequity, exhaustion, depletion, extraction, disconnection, confusion, rage, hoarding, hate, and lack. We should no longer return, my friends. We are being given the opportunity to stitch a new garment, one that fits all of humanity and nature. Close uh, quote. So my friends, I would love to hear your feedback on this one. Kind of ranted on a bit there, but it really needed to come out. And if you want to share your own experience in this, I would love to have a listen. Feel free to give me any comments, and I hope that this has given you all something to think about. Thank you also for listening to my stories and inviting my voice in your homes today. All the best, and take care.